Hello and welcome to Have a Cuppa Unmasked with me, Helena Mitchell. Now, we are going to just get straight in here and introduce our guest for this week, which is Marilena. Hello. Hi, thank you so much for having me on. No worries. How are you doing? I'm really good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. I had a bit of flu over the weekend. I don't know if anyone else has had this, um, but I recently had my flu jab and I've never reacted like that before. But all of a sudden this year, it decided to just hit me. So I um, had a very oh, no. chilled weekend, but you know, we're getting yeah. there. We're back up and running and um, yeah, I'm happy I've had it done anyway. So <laughs> yeah. anyway, um, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, so I'm Marilena. Um, I am... I've just finished my master's degree and I'm working as a voiceover artist and a singer and I now live in Glasgow but as you can probably hear I'm originally <laughs> from down south. It's good to say you don't have a Glasgow accent. No. <laughs> can you do one? No I wish I could. But oh really? It comes out sort of like Australian well it's, <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> I've got a few friends up in Scotland. I ended up doing panto two years ago in um, Fife oh, in okay. near Edinburgh uh-huh. um, and no I I uh they they actually asked if I could do a Scottish accent for the show. And I said, well, if you want me to offend every single audience <laughs> member, then yes, I will. Um, but I cannot do one. <laughs> it is very hard. Anyway, yeah. that is not what we are here to talk about. What is it that you um, wanted to share with us today? So um, I have a condition called bronchial arteriovenous malformations. Wow. Um, which is a bit of a mouthful. <laughs> yeah. Um, Use it as your tongue twister to get warming up I know, for voiceover. Get ready. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's um, I've had this condition all my life. I was born with it, um, but I wasn't diagnosed until I was thirteen. Oh wow! Um, and it's a type of AVM, which means um, a kind of tangle of abnormal blood vessels and arteries. And for me, this affects one of my lungs. Um, but I mean, it's a very AVMs in general are very very rare. What is an AVM? I, I've so, never heard of that um, that terminology before. To be honest, most people haven't because it is so it's so rare and there's yeah. not a great deal of kind of awareness. But October is AVM Awareness Month. Um, October is Lupus Awareness Month as well. I love it? it. Yeah. Oh, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's it basically refers to um, anywhere in your body um, that you might. Some people are born with kind of a tangle of abnormal blood vessels and arteries. Um, so the blood doesn't kind of flow through those areas properly. Right. Um, it, it most commonly, I mean, I think it affects like less than 1% of the population, but it most commonly affects people in, in their brain or their spine, but it can occur kind of on the face or the liver, um, the uterus, but for me, it's my lungs that are affected. And what happens? What does it do? Does it, um, I mean, for example, with lupus, lupus basically attacks itself. So wherever it gets into it, it attacks that and, and it will eventually break that down. So what happens with that, with with your condition? So for me, some for some people, they have, um, they're kind of asymptomatic with it. Um, mm. And the only kind of problems that arise are when the the blood vessel and the malformed areas rupture and oh, they can wow. cause kind of massive bleeding or stroke um is that painful if it... so if it's in the brain i believe so i've never experienced it in the brain so everyone's is slightly different right um and usually people who have avms in the brain will some of them will experience headaches or seizures there might be some kind of symptoms before that happens for me um my avm is a rare form of a another lung AVM so it's a kind of rare 
AVM of a rare AVM. Oh, wow. Um, and I You're rare. <laughs> very unusual. I picked the trickiest condition there of was. Of course, of course. Um, and so for me, I was kind of asymptomatic until I was nine. Um, I didn't have any real problems, or I thought I didn't have any real problems, mm. um, and suddenly had a lung hemorrhage when I was nine. Wow. And um, and what does that involve? I, I've heard of um, the term hemorrhage, and uh-huh. I could be very naive here, and everyone listening could think I'm incredibly stupid for asking this, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Uh, what actually um, happens with a with a hemorrhage? So it's quite, um, it's quite a, a gruesome kind of, for mm. me anyway, um, a hemorrhage is kind of an... In, a, a rapid loss of kind of a severe loss of blood oh wow um and for me because it's my lungs um whenever your body gets blood anywhere it's not supposed to be it tries to kind of get rid of it yes Um, and i know that can happen in people's tummies or brains or all of that Mm. kind of thing um but for me what would happen is my um avm would rupture um, we don't know why, um, which is frustrating, but that's just one of those things. Yeah. Um, it would rupture and then my lung would fill with blood. Um, and because it's an artery, it pumps it out at quite a, a speed. Wow. So it's the only way I can describe it is sort of, if you imagine a boat with a hole in the bottom. Yeah. And the boat is really filling up with water and you've got a tiny bucket and you're trying to chuck that water over the side. Yeah. Um, and it's just filling up with more water. So it kind of it comes out of my mouth. I cough the blood oh, out. Oh, gosh. And it's quite a, a gruesome thing, so I don't want to, like... And you were only nine? Nine. I've had that it four times now. That must have been very scary when that first happened. Not only for you, but for your, your... I mean, where were you? Were you at home when it first happened? Were you at school? So the, fir- the first time I was... When I was nine, I was in, at school. Um, oh, gosh. I, I remember I was just, like, having a ham sandwich at lunch <laughs> um, and was like, oh, I feel a bit weird. And it's not... Thankfully, it's not painful. Yeah. Um, but went to the bathroom and obviously there was this kind of crime scene with all this blood. Wow. And thankfully, a teacher came in and, you know, knew what to do, called an ambulance, called my mum. And I went to hospital and they were like, oh, this is just one of those unexplained things. I had pneumonia at the time and they said, it's probably because of that. Don't worry, it will never happen again. Right. Um, and then pneumonia after, is quite serious in itself, though, isn't it? Yeah, so I, I I picked up, I'm not sure how, an unusual form of pneumonia as well. Um, and they just said, oh, because this is an unusual pneumonia, perhaps it's an unusual symptom. Yeah. So, you know, don't worry about it. You're young, you're healthy. Don't worry about it. I mean, yeah. that's easier said than done, isn't it, for a nine-year-old to not worry about throwing up blood? Yeah. <laughs> so I was quite kind of, I mean, I believed that it would happen again. Yeah, um, of course. And kind of all the grown-ups were like, don't worry, it'll be fine. You know, mm. it's one of those unlucky things. And these things happen to people all the time. Imagine you were quite scared. I was. I was, I mean, it back then as well, there wasn't the kind of emphasis as there is now on yeah. know, looking after mental health and those sort yeah. of things. So it was kind of a case of, well, you're fine now. You survived. Get back to school. You'll be fine. Did, um, you, did you literally go back the next day? No. So I was in hospital for about a month. Okay. Um, and then I think I had another couple of weeks off, and then I went back. Um, and then. And was that difficult of... for you as a, as a nine year old? You know, that's very prime time with your friendships and and all of that sort of social development that 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 children go through at that age. Did you find that really? Um, like, how did that affect you in terms of going back to school? I mean, it's very different now with kids, but back mm. then, you know, bullying was a huge common thing wasn't it so did you find any sort of stigma even back then um that time 
I didn't, I think, I'm not sure if it was because maybe the children at school didn't really know what had happened. Mm. I just sort of disappeared for a few weeks and came back and I was, I looked fine. Yeah. Um, but I think the, the, when I, when it happened when I was 13, I really noticed a lot more. I mean, I was much more poorly when I was 13 mm. and I noticed a lot more of that kind of, I was off school for sort of six months and I noticed that the stigma coming back was a lot. People, I mean, I felt like. Well, know, 13, that's teenagers, isn't it? So that's when. Yeah kids start getting a bit nasty towards each other don't they and yeah and I it was strange because obviously all my friends had started to go to parties or were kind mm. of going out by themselves and I was in a children's hospital and it was such a weird and how of, was that for you being in in a in a children's ward at the age of 13 was that was that difficult for you kind of mentally I mean I yeah I felt I think that is one of the hardest was one of the hardest parts being ill in itself was difficult but um, I was in Great Ormond Street Children's Hospital and oh, they wow. were amazing. They were fantastic. Yeah. Um, but there wasn't a whole lot back then for sort of teenagers. Um, yeah. I remember they, you know, like they had these like characters and clowns that would come round. And yeah. I just, you know, I love Justin Bieber back then and I just wanted to listen to Justin Bieber. Yeah. Um, never say so, never and all that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I was kind of, it was a bit of a strange place to be. It felt like a very, you know, I'd, Back in time yeah, you're almost being treated like a child, yeah. Um, because that's the service that they had that they had set up then. Yeah. Um, but you are trying. You're at that early stages of progressing into adulthood and yeah. being your own person. Did you find that? Um, I mean, how did that affect you in terms of your your confidence and your like social um, uh, abilities and confidence? I found it, it was kind of strange because I, I actually became more confident after it happened. Oh, really? Because I was so poorly, um, I think once I'd kind of got better, I, I felt, you know, lucky to have got through it. Yeah. Um, and I was in hospital for so long, I was just grateful that I was, out. once I could get back out. And, yeah. And it took a long time, but once I could get back to school, you know, a couple of days a week or um, could get back to seeing my friends, I was just so grateful and it really sort of spurred me on to do you know some singing and public speaking and different things that again in turn boosted my confidence so wow and was yeah. um where did you think that kind of confidence came from that confidence to do public speaking and singing and stuff because you know a lot of kids um they're either really confident with that or they're terrified and they get major stage fright and things so for for someone who who had spent a lot of their kind of key years within mm. school being effectively isolated yeah. um how where where do you think that that strength came from do you think it was maybe perhaps a um a kind of determination to to show that you're there and you're still there and make the most of it i mean is this the sort of condition that in in children not many survive it or it's so for in it's not very common in children there were i mean it took it took them four years to find out what was wrong with me because it's oh, so wow. uncommon um and i was i was it was very touch and go I mean I don't remember much because I was in um, an induced coma for a large part of it wow so I don't I don't remember any of that but it, it was something that I guess I felt like very fortunate that I'd got through and I felt like wow okay you know I've survived this I better get on and do things that I want to do and yeah I'm already sort of the odd one out anyway I might as well do things that might I as well go for it <laughs> yeah exactly so do you feel like it maybe 
really made you grow up quite quickly. I mean, I know for me, I'm I'm 25 and a lot of people think I'm in my early 30s yeah. just because of the, um, and I, I'm not saying this myself, this is quoting from other people, but they say I have a lot of wisdom mm-hmm. uh, for someone so young. And I personally believe that that is because I have unfortunately, unfortunately, mm. had to live life quite dramatically and quite quickly by this point you know not many people um I would hope unfortunately there is a lot more out there than than people realize and that's the whole reason why I set this podcast up Mm -hmm. but most people don't fortunately have to fully experience life or fully have to deal with those sort of roller coasters until a lot later in life sort of mid-30s late 30s 40s even yeah so do you feel like you grew up quite quickly in a sense I guess so I think when and I mean the condition is something I have to I've you know I've been living with my whole life now and I think Mm. once you it maybe it's the same for you maybe you can empathize when you live with that you 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 do grow up a little bit quicker and you realize okay you know maybe I have to prioritize things or maybe I can't do this or maybe I can do that you know you have Mm. to I mean on that as well do you do you ever kind of do you ever you don't I presume you don't define yourself as as this condition and I mean do you ever let it stop you doing anything that you want to do or have you ever um I ha- I mean I haven't I haven't really I've tried to you know I mean people people who are friends with me know that I'm I've got this condition mm. um I've never actually sort of publicly spoken about it on social media really mm. um or given a lot of detail just because I I thought people were gonna think oh you know she's she's got this and she can't do that and but I they I'd label rather, you exactly yeah and you know I think a lot of people with invisible illnesses can relate that people yes. define you by the illness you have and think oh you can't do that or you can't do this and and they almost forget who you were before exactly it doesn't matter how long they've known you how long they've followed you on social media they completely forget all the things that they love about your personality and they just literally see you for that label which is is something that I have majorly struggled with with um, all of my conditions Mm -hmm. and especially within this industry as well within the creative industry it's so hard as it is it's so competitive that you almost don't want to to reveal that because well I I didn't for sure because I didn't want to have that label which would then make it even harder for me to be able to do what I know I can do of course yeah. so you do you feel, feel the same yeah in some ways I kind of was worried because I was singing for a long time as well mm. I was worried that oh if I you know mention that I've got this thing that affects my lungs people are going to think well she can't sing you know yeah. you can't trust her to do a performance or yep. like this that and the other yeah um and actually I can like I know what I'm I can do and I know that okay you know this I can do this but I can't do that or I know my own limits yeah. Um, and, and at I the think... end of the day, you're providing a service. If you don't think that you can provide that service, you would say. Exactly. So I think people just need to, I mean, this is why I'm so passionate about this podcast getting out there and I'm constantly sharing it and hoping that people feel brave enough to, to not necessarily come on and, 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 and share their stories like you have, but just feel brave enough to just take that first step and just share it. Just exactly. even sharing it in their stories, not not on their feed or anything like that, just in their stories. Just doing that will, because the amount of people that I, and I'm sure that you'll experience this after this podcast goes out, um, yeah. the amount of people that get, I mean, that's how we connected. You got yeah, in touch with yeah, me I through this out. podcast. Yeah. And, and the amount of people that have messaged me saying, 
thank you so much. I get it now. Yeah. I've been so confused. I've not, I felt like an outsider. I felt like I haven't been able to, um, I've been going through life with like this, you know, in those cartoons when you get the rainy clouds kind of over the cartoon character yes, and yeah. everything else is sunny, but just over that character, it's a rainy cloud uh-huh. and they don't understand why. Yeah. People have been saying that the pennies now dropped and they get it and they feel more confident already and they feel stronger and um, like there's a community that they can unite with without even knowing the people just simply through listening yeah it's amazing I think especially when so for my condition I've never met anybody else or heard of anybody else who has this specific type of ABM and so hearing kind of this podcast and hearing other people's stories it's like oh there's hundreds of people millions of people who have kind of conditions that might be different or unusual or might be invisible and you know we're all kind of going through similar experiences so no one's kind of on their own that's the Um, thing we're all sharing the same effectively sharing the same journey despite being on different paths yes definitely yeah so in terms of that with I hate to bring it up but COVID I presume you know uh, obviously COVID majorly affects your lungs doesn't it so I presume you you've you were definitely shielding straight away so my the the complicated thing about my condition is it affects the blood vessels in my lungs, but my actual lungs themselves, or at least one of my lungs, is completely fine. Oh. Um, so um, I spoke to my consultant um, and he said, you can shield, you don't have to shield. We can't give you any specific advice apart from follow the government's guidelines. Of course. So I decided in the beginning that, yes, I would shield just because... It, you know, there were so many unknown things about COVID and about my condition itself that I just didn't want to risk, you know, take any unnecessary risks. Um, but now I'm kind of obviously within the government guidelines. Um, I'm kind of trying to do what I feel com- comfortable with and feel safe with doing, um, obviously within the guidelines. Um, you, know, yeah. if I, you know, if I feel safe to go into a shop with my mask and social distancing, then I'm I'll do that and if I don't So it's fair safe, to say you're do, you're doing what you feel is right for you without yes. compromising anyone else's safety. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to impact on anybody else and I don't want to cause them any kind of um potentially expose them to anything so mm. I'm you know trying to follow every single guideline there is but using my own initiative within those guidelines. And I just wanted to bring it back to um, what you mentioned at the beginning, that you, you've had this all your life. Yeah. But you mentioned that a lot of people go through life asymptomatic, not even not even knowing that they have it. So yeah. do you think that this is actually quite, um, despite the very unusual name, I'd certainly never heard of it. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure that a lot of listeners haven't either. Do you, do you think that actually it's a lot more common than, than people realise? I think it, it could it could well be because a lot of people don't experience kind of any bleeding or stroke until they're much older with this um, condition. And I think sometimes then it gets kind of misdiagnosed or mm. it might not get picked up. Mm. Um, I mean, are I was, there any kind of uh, stereotypical symptoms really apart from the, um, the the big ones like the stroke and the, and the bleeding? Is there um, any other kind of smaller symptoms that maybe people can keep a lookout for? So I would, I would say some of the lung, I mean, for me, when I had, so I had something called a particular embolization. I've had them twice now. Um, and it's where they try and seal up the problem arteries. They try and yes. close them off to stop the blood going through. So once I'd had that done, I suddenly realized, 
oh my goodness, my hair's growing, my nails are stronger, my skin is better, I'm putting on weight. So I think if you notice that, maybe not in children because it is very difficult to identify in children. And it's very uncommon, it's not common at all in children anyway. But if you notice that, you know, something feels off with your body or perhaps you've got breathlessness or headaches or you've had a seizure or you've got chest pains, just check it out anyway. It's unlikely to be this condition. But anything that, I mean, you, I think you mentioned it on a, a podcast um, episode a couple of weeks ago, but everybody knows their own version of normal. Yes. And if you're, something feels a bit off or something feels a bit different, just check it out anyway. You, you never know. And it's better to, to check it out, I think. And yeah. That's, that's one of the big it's things It's always I'd best to, to go and check anything out. Um, I know there's a lot of fear regarding that in terms of oh no 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 um I don't want to go and check it out because um I'll I'll just be wasting their time they'll just think that I'm being silly and yeah but you know what is it really silly when you then have a stroke and you could have prevented it exactly and this so I can't imagine any doctor um would say oh no you know go away you're wasting I think they'd rather you go a hundred times and be wrong than miss that one time where you could have prevented something a hundred percent you know so I think yeah because most of the time as well it's hard for the doctors isn't it because like you said most of the time this condition gets diagnosed I know for a fact that lupus massively gets diagnosed I was misdiagnosed with skin cancer to start with um and I I ended up going on to chemo because of it um but actually it turned out that chemo was actually thankfully the best uh the best way and it, it and it's actually stopped it from spreading a lot further than wow. than it could. So that was yeah. actually very lucky. Um, yeah. But I know for a fact that lupus usually takes between six and eight years to get diagnosed, by which point it's Gosh, in... That's a long time. You, yeah, and I was very lucky. Yeah. I was eight months. So wow. very rapid compared. To, yeah. And that was purely, thankfully, down to... Um, I say thankfully, but I had these huge scars. I know that some people have seen it. I've posted it couple of times I had these um what's known as a butterfly rash okay huge literally like a butterfly on my yeah. face huge red scars and um it was I couldn't cover it up at all with makeup or anything and they were just getting bigger and bigger and bigger they were the size of my cheek cool. um and they started spreading to my ear chunks of my ear started like eroding away uh-huh. and it's all come back now but um yeah, yeah obviously I was like wow scary that's at the time yeah, but I did that thing of just dismissing it. Yeah. I was like, oh, I'm probably allergic to something. I'm just having yeah. a rash. And I just carried on. I worked full time. It was yeah. crazy. Um, it's so easy to... I mean, I remember after I'd had... So I ha- I've had now had four hemorrhages. Wow. I remember after the... One I mean, just the, with that as well, do you get any warning with that? No, that's the even, I suppose, even harder part to deal with is that... That must be scary. Yeah, I know I, I know they can happen anytime, any place, anywhere. I don't know what the triggers are. And oh, um, they seem to happen every sort of four or five years. But I remember in between the sort of the last two I'd had, I had a small bleed that was unexplained. And I remember thinking, oh, well, it's probably nothing. You know, really, I should have pushed for more, you know, more checkups. I should have pushed for been more of an advocate for my own health. But it is so tricky because you feel yeah. like you don't want to waste someone's time. You also but... don't want to take up. I feel like I don't want to take up someone else's slot. Exactly. You might really need it, you know. Yeah. But exactly. then, but then, as my dad quite rightly says to me, that's all very well. But what happens if that slot is needed for you? That's so true. Yeah, 
that's a really great way of looking at it actually because you know I'm one of those people that I'm like oh no 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 let everyone else go first and it's like okay but how's that going to help when when you're six foot under in a box you know and and to put it as bluntly as that it's it's horrible but yeah. and it sounds so dramatic but it is a reality yeah so many people with lupus die at a very young age from heart attacks and all this sort of stuff and it uh-huh. is a reality and it's one of those things that you know it's not like a mass question where if you get it wrong you can try again yeah you get life wrong <laughs> and you can't try again you don't get a second chance yeah. um unfortunately and it's like it's that i think people really need to start thinking seriously especially in this time with covid and yeah. with what they feel comfortable doing and stuff is your life your life something that you personally want to risk yeah. don't care about anyone else it's not their life that's their life leave them to their life Mm -hmm. do you personally want to risk your life just to prove a point to be strong to be known as the brave one yeah exactly sometimes you have to kind of accept that oh something feels off something doesn't feel normal and you Mm. have to you have to be an advocate for your own health sometimes and Um, actually being brave is sometimes by going in and admitting It's so, it takes a lot of courage, I think, yeah. a lot of conditions to go and speak to somebody, um, whether that's the doctor or nurse or whoever, or even speak to your family about it. Or if um, you don't feel comfortable speaking to your family, you know, like I always say, reach out to me. I might yeah. not necessarily know your condition. I didn't know your your condition, but um, mm-hmm. I'm more than happy to talk to anyone about it. And I, I can try my best to advise. I'm by no means a medical expert. I have no yeah. background in medical history or anything. I just have Same. my own, you know, my own experiences. But yeah. sometimes actually going to someone that you have no connection with whatsoever yeah. is a lot easier. Yeah. Because you know there's no kind of... No judgment. There's no pre, yeah, there's no judgment. There's no preconceived ideas. Or yeah, they're, they're not going to label you. They're not going to change their opinion of you because they don't yeah. know you. Exactly. Um. So, yeah, I would just say that if anyone is, is affected by this or, or anything that I have said um, or yeah. we've said on this podcast, please do reach out to either of us. Um, my Instagram is at helena.m.mitchell. Do you want to say your Instagram? Yeah, so mine is at Marilena Gant. Perfect. Um, yeah. And, and and just in terms of that as well, uh, in terms of your mental health now and your coping uh, mechanisms for now, because I've just looked at the time and realised that yet again, I am going <laughs> on a whirlwind. I could genuinely talk about this for like a good hour at least. Um, and hopefully we'll be able to get you back on in, in, a, in, a, in the future. But just to touch on that, you know, for anyone that's either that, that does have this or, or something similar, yeah. Are there any sort of tips or, or coping mechanisms that, that work for you? And I understand that this is all, you know, personal to you. But is yeah. there anything that you found to really help you, one, through COVID with your, your mental health and everything, um, and to keep going, but two, with the actual condition? I'd say, I mean, when I, when I found out I had this condition, there were no, as far as I'm aware, there were no charities or anything like that back then but now I've come across one called the butterfly AVM charity and I'll pop this on my Instagram um and they do amazing work and they've got an amazing support network um and I'd say apart from you know visiting your GP or calling your GP or um that sort of thing I'd say really reach out to your family your friends anyone in your support group whether that's your colleagues or one of us or yeah um, and just it, I think it's good to talk. It's good to get, you know, your anxieties and your worries out. 
Mm. Um, something I wish I'd done so many years before. Same. Um, when, yeah, it's 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 easier said than done. Yeah, it's not an it easy be. thing. And, yeah. and it is it is very scary. I'm not gonna you know sugarcoat it. It is scary, yeah. but the it's like a snowball effect. The more you do it, the easier it does get. Exactly. And once you've opened up once, it's so much easier to kind of talk about these things. And um, there is, I think nowadays it's such a positive step in the right direction that we, the stigma around mental health and that sort of thing is really slowly eroding away. Yeah. And now I think people feel much more com- confident to talk about these things and talk about how they're mm. feeling. I mean, it's um, still a massive issue, isn't it? But of it, course. it is, there are ch- amazing charities that are um, doing yeah. lots of incredible work. And, um, and and just touching on that as well, um, I know that you were mentioning about reaching out and, and speaking to people. And I mentioned um, on last week's episode um, with Melissa that we launched um, the Have a Cuppa Unmasked community Facebook group. And this is a private group where anyone can join, but I obviously will um, approve you joining. It's not public. People can't see what other people have posted. It is... A safe space, a safe community. The whole idea of me setting this up is because I have had so many people messaging me saying how useful this is, asking me questions on a day-to-day basis. And I don't necessarily have all the answers, but I know that people, other people will. And so by creating this Facebook community group, which is private, it's a safe space where people can chat They can share their experiences, share their tips because these podcasts are only short. And like I said, we could go on about this for hours on end. But it's a place where people can connect with each other. We can support each other as a community to beat the stigma together. It's a place where people who feel like they don't have friends or family or doctors that they can talk to can can just reach out. And not only myself, but lots of other people can can support and give some positive um, comments and and love and share their experiences and in sharing those experiences one thing from someone might just drop the penny for that person and it might just completely change their whole mindset with their condition and it might just make their life easier and that's yeah. what it is all about it's about coming together as a community to rise up above this together so if that is something that you would like to be a part of just check it out on facebook it's have a cup of unmasked community facebook group um so check it out it's also going to be in the bio as well um and i've got a link in my bio um in my instagram bio and facebook bio for it as well so moving on from that just a little side note because that's something quite new and i think it's going to be really exciting because I'm also looking at when we've got um, a, a decent amount of people in there, I'm looking at um, finding out what people want more information on and getting free webinars and free talks for uh, all via Zoom for people to, to for, for me to interview people from different charities, doctors and things like that to get those information, get that answer to those people. Um, so if that sounds like something that you, you know, you're sat there going, oh, I really want to learn more about this or I want to learn, I want to know more about my particular condition, get in touch with me and I will do my best to try and I can't promise anything, um, but I will do my best to try and get those those charities and those people who are far more knowledgeable than I am to talk. And again, it might just help. So 
Is there any kind of um, websites or I know you mentioned the website earlier, which I will pop in the in the link. But is there any other kind of websites or anything like that that you would like to share or any kind of final tips um, on, on how people can can go forward? I guess the main the main like takeaway for me from having this condition and everything is to really listen to your body and mm. get to know what's normal or usual for you. And if something feels amiss, reach out to whoever it might be, um, you know, your family, your friends, the Facebook group, people on social media, um, whoever is your kind of, you feel comfortable going to, um, and really listen to that kind of inner voice of what, what, you know, what feels normal for you. Yeah. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I'm sure that loads of people have really been um, enlightened to hear about your story and your journey and um, are probably really interested and wanting to talk to you more about that. So please do reach out. Um, and yeah, we I hope you um, continue to stay safe during this time and hopefully we'll be able to get you back on the podcast soon. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for having me on. No worries. We'll speak to you soon. 